0: Well good morning, Springhouse. Uh that Jacob. Boy, I wonder who brought him into the world. (laughs) They uh they did a good job, that's for sure. Uh, I have some news. Uh we are going to uh, in July we're going to reopen the Sunday morning service. Uh we will post information about that uh, online this week. I I presume we'll probably we'll certainly have it on our website. Uh we'll probably send out information in emails about it and uh, Facebook and whatever else we do, Instagram, things like that. But uh, July, so July the 5th, now you may go, July the 5th, that sounds, sounds familiar, that's like, that's like a holiday weekend. Yeah, it's like a holiday weekend. We're having church uh, and so be, be looking for that information, uh, be looking for that information that's coming. We're actually having church right now, uh, just you're not here. Uh, But God's here and he's where you are. And so would you stand with me and let's read a passage of scripture together that you might not be familiar with. In the fourth year of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, this word came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Take a scroll and write on it all the words I have spoken to you concerning Israel, Judah, And all the other nations from the time I began speaking to you in the reign of Josiah till now. Perhaps when the people of Judah hear about every disaster I plan to inflict on them, they will each turn from their wicked ways. Then I will forgive their wickedness and their sin. So Jeremiah called Baruch, son of Neriah, and while Jeremiah dictated all the words the Lord had spoken to him, Baruch wrote them on the scroll. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your revelation in our hearts, and I pray that that would take place today, that that you would change us, because we need to be changed. We're ready to be changed. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you, you may be seated in your PJs or, or whatever it is that you, you happen, to be, uh, happen to be wearing. Uh, let, me, let me give you the setup. Uh, well, actually, I guess that is a setup. Let me give you the rest of the story. Uh, and it's a story that uh, apparently not very many are familiar with, uh, although the Bible tells us a lot about it. Uh, see, Jeremiah started his ministry under, under King Josiah, uh, who had repented at the discovery of the book of Deuteronomy. When Josiah became king, uh, things were not going well in the land with regard to their relationship to the Lord. And he had the, he had the temple cleansed. And while it was being cleansed, the book of Deuteronomy was discovered. It had apparently been lost. And when Josiah heard it, he repented and, and started a great revival that took place in the land. Well, later on, uh, during this time... Uh, uh, Babylon and Egypt had begun to really clash in, in the land. Uh, and the people of Judah felt very threatened. And so they called a a special day of, of prayer, uh, a special time for people to come together, uh, at the temple, which they did. Now God had told Jeremiah to write this scroll and, uh, Jeremiah, though, was banned from going to the temple. He couldn't go there. And the reason why he couldn't go there is because uh, this king, Jehoiakim, that we, uh, that we read about here, and I'm sure all of you enjoyed pronouncing, I enjoy saying the word, it just rolls off the tongue, Jehoiakim. You know, just everybody say that real fast, five times. Uh, But anyway, this king did not like Jeremiah because Jeremiah, he didn't agree with the things that Jeremiah had to say. In fact, it wasn't that. It was that Jeremiah didn't agree with him. So he didn't like him. He banned him. Wouldn't let him come to the temple. Uh, So Jeremiah gave the scroll to Baruch. And sent him to the temple. And Baruch went went to the temple and he read the scroll. And there was a young man there named Micaiah. And he was was moved. He was alarmed by the words that he heard. And he went and told his father, a man named Jeremiah, who was a high official, uh, what he had heard. And Jeremiah, who was meeting with some other high officials, uh, said, well, we want to hear this scroll. So Baruch was brought to them and uh, he read the scroll to them, and they said, "Well, now, did Jeremiah dictate this to you?" He said, "Yes, he did." He said, "Here's what we're going to do. The king needs to hear about this, so we're going to take this to the king. You and Jeremiah need to go hide." Uh, and so that's exactly what they did. And they took it to the king. And Jehoiakim uh, was in, um, in in the winter room in his temple. It was cold. It was in the winter, and there was a there was a fire. And he had some of his favorite counselors around him. Apparently, uh, uh, Micaiah's dad was not one of the favorites, but he was still a counselor. He had some of his favorite counselors around him. And so the scroll was read to Jehoiakim. And what he would do is after a little bit of the scroll had been read, he would take a penknife and he would cut it off and he would toss it into the fire because he despised it. He despised the words that were being said despise the message of the Lord. Now, this is certainly a cautionary tale for leaders. Um, and, uh, you know, you might, you might think, well, wh- wh- what are you talking about here? You know, is this, is this a parable for our times? Are you talking about, uh, and let's just, let's just be real, you're talking about the police, you're talking about mayors, governors, maybe the president, you know, what are you talking about? Uh, as I say, it's a cautionary tale for all leaders, but we do a great disservice to the Word of God when we read it and think it applies to someone else That's good. rather than to ourselves. You know, when we, we often read the Word of God to find out what's wrong with them right. rather than reading the Word of God and letting it tell us maybe what's wrong with us. I was actually—I uh, was actually thinking—I I had a, a little bit of a revelation uh, this uh, this week. I think it was a revelation. You know, when people, uh, when young people go off to uh, to college f- from church, very often they start to stray from the faith. And for that reason, some people go, "Well, we just don't need to send them to college, or we need to send them to a college that believes, or whatever." But one of the reasons why I think that happens is because. They've never been exposed to any other ideas. They've never been exposed to the other side. We, we want to protect them, you know, as if we need to protect the word of God because it can't compete in the, in the ebb and flow and crush of ideas. That's ridiculous. We don't have to protect the word of God. The word of God protects us. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's supreme. It's supreme over every other philosophy and every other thought. And I don't have to exclude every other philosophy and every other thought to think that. Let's get them all together. Let's reason together. And let's find out who's got the best plan here. We know so little we think we have to protect the Word of God. Well, when we ignore God's Word, uh, I, I posted... When we ignore God's word because we do not like it or because it makes us uncomfortable or because we're unconcerned, bad things happen. Bad things happened to the nation because Jehoiakim was unconcerned about the word of God. I mean, within within that same generation, the nation was completely destroyed and didn't exist anymore. Their city didn't exist anymore. Because he ignored the word of God, and when we ignore the word of God, bad things happen. I posted a video on Facebook this past week <laughs> about why I don't normally speak out on issues, and maybe some of you, maybe some of you saw it. Uh, and I, I felt like I needed to, you know, in light of, of the current situation, because the current situation's, uh, it, it's real; it's a genuine thing, and. You know, some people would want, "Well, what, whose side are you on? Well, I'll tell you whose side I'm. I'm on his side. Uh, that's whose side I'm on. That doesn't mean that I don't feel like the issues are, are legit uh, because they really are. In fact, you know, when I was a kid, I used to think that uh, the idea of America was liberty and justice for all. I've been disabused of that notion. But it needs to be liberty and justice for all. Um, Anyway, I advised three things in the video. I said, here's three things you can do. Uh, You can pray. Do you really believe that God gets involved in people's lives and that God is concerned and that God can do something? Well, then pray because we get so involved in trying to do things ourselves. We forget to pray. Uh, Vote. One of the things that's kind of disturbing is a lot of people who are really upset right now you know, come November, they're going to stay home. I, vote and speak up. You know, speaking up uh, in private whenever, whenever people uh, uh, make racial comments or make off-color jokes or try and make light of things. You know, saying something about it right then takes more courage than marching with a bunch of people. I mean, I think I, I'm, I'm, I'm not belittling those who march with a bunch of people. I, I'm, I'm all for that. But I'm just saying that takes courage and that changes people. Changes people's ideas and changes people's opinions. If somebody who's right there at the moment goes, I don't agree with that. I don't think that's funny. I, I want to add a fourth thing. I didn't say this, but the fourth thing that I would add is this. Listen. Listen. I had uh, had lunch with a fellow this week who was very anxious about a, a meeting he was going to have that evening with a younger family member, and he thought, this isn't going to go very well. And I said, let me tell you how to make it go well. Just listen. Just listen. You know, if you go into it with an agenda, if you go into it to try and change things, you're right, it probably isn't going to go well. And and the likelihood of anything changing is very small. But if you'll go into it and just listen, I guarantee you it'll go well and probably some things will change. Just just listen. But the heart of the message that I was bringing on that video was not about the current situation. It was that issues get 166 to 167 hours of our time every week and dad gummit, I'm not giving them the other hour that they would like to take. I want to create a situation where Jesus is the focus. And that because because I truly believe that he is the answer. I, I, I truly believe that. I, I believe he's the only real solution. And most of the feedback that I got on the feed was positive. I mean, people look at what I say because they love me, you know, or because they... And, and virtually all of them are believers and, and strong believers. However, one young lady who I'm acquainted with is very polite, but not positive. And uh, by the way, for those of you who follow this and are on that sort of thing, I responded to her, but I, I did it by direct message. I wasn't about to, you know, light a fire here on the, on, on the comments sections. I, we, we had a few exchanges one-on-one. Uh, But here's what she said that really grabbed my attention. She said, this video provides a safe Sunday school answer to white people who are uncomfortable. I didn't have any problem with white people who are uncomfortable, I mean, that's, (laughs) yeah. Uh, What really got me thinking though was a safe Sunday school answer. Now, I don't think that's what the video did at all. In fact, I, I started out with, let me tell you where I'm coming from. You know, I believe that every soul is of inestimable an value, and I do believe uh, that Jesus is the answer to all the world's problems. But it got me thinking, she doesn't know the Jesus that I know. And she was raised in church. Why? Why doesn't she get it why are there so many who don't get it well why don't folks understand that Jesus is the answer why do they think it's got to be something else it's got to be Jesus and or it's got to be why don't they get that he changes hearts and lives and it occurred to me that the reason that the world isn't looking to Jesus for answers is because believers read the Bible with a penknife. There you go. Like I said, who, who, who is this parable about? You? Me? Uh, as you know, we're going through uh, taking topics from the book Run With Horses by Eugene Peterson and This is one of the things he says in the chapter uh, that we're on today. He says, wanting to maintain control over our lives, to keep the initiative in our own hands, we chop the word of God into little pieces so that we can control it. And maybe even put it to practical use, like warming us on a cold winter day. We We cherry pick things when we go through the Bible. I mean, we do. We we use a few scattered verses uh, dealing with specific situations that seem to support the idea of excluding others, and and we ignore the many clear universal verses that command us to be inclusive, command us to accept everyone. Uh, let Let me tell you something about the Bible because sometimes people go, well, the Bible tends to contradict itself. No, the Bible is about all of life, And there are things that in this situation, that may be what that's about, but it's not what that's about over here. And so the Bible will address some specific situations, but it's got some universal things that cover everything. I I was talking with a friend uh, about this very thing and he said, well, you know, what, uh, what if you just, I mean, you, we can't just let people be free and go where they want to go and. And, and I went, gee, you know, you're right. Who would want to live in a world like that? I'll volunteer. Kind of sounds like the kingdom of God to me. We take a few scattered military references, metaphors in the Bible, and we turn it into the Crusades. And boy, didn't that glorify God? And that was sarcasm for those who don't recognize such things. We we take it as permission to use coercion in place of love to draw people to Jesus. We take a few proof texts about blessings and prosperity and turn it into a license for, for greed. When Jesus clearly teaches no such thing. And mostly we just tend to ignore the Word of God. We tend to treat following Christ kind of like buying a new lawnmower. Well, I bought a new lawnmower at Home Depot on Saturday and on Sunday I got saved. Hallelujah. And I don't need to read the instructions for either one of them. Because I know how to do it. You know, we'll, we'll, uh, and then something will come along and somebody has something to go, go, well, I didn't know that was in the Bible. You could have. You could have. If you'd taken the time to, to invest in it. The world doesn't know Jesus is the answer because believers treat that as a slogan. Instead of as real life instead of really living as though Jesus is real and is the answer he really does meet my needs it's not he meets my needs if I work hard enough I'm not saying you shouldn't work yes you should work but he really does meet my needs he really is my defender yeah he and Smith Wesson or Remington or I don't know who makes guns anymore but no he really is my defender he really does love me and everybody else he really did change me and he's still changing me he really did change my life and he and he is still changing my life you know we get saved and we kind of go well you know this is great i don't smoke and, and get drunk anymore you know i but nothing else changes from then until glory i I mentioned in the video that my opinion have changed my opinions have changed over the years yeah i mean I, I, you know not about the essential stuff i haven 't changed my opinion about the resurrection haven 't changed my opinion about the divinity of jesus christ haven 't changed my opinion about about eternity, but, I, but all, almost all my other opinions, a lot of my other opinions have changed. And, and, and if they hadn't, then obviously I was already perfect. And if your opinions never change, then obviously you've already got it nailed. You, you've, you're already there. Not I still haven't been conformed to the image of Christ. So I've still got a few more opinions that need to be changed. Opinions that actually affect the way I live my life. Okay, I want to I just bring up some quick observations that, uh, that Peterson makes in, uh, in this chapter. I've got a, got a few things that just really hit me. And I'll hit you with them, I guess. Says God is not a word to fill in the gaps of what we don't know. God is actively, energetically dealing with people in love. We, we treat uh, God as simply the answer to natural phenomenon. And so, you know, so science is an enemy because, you know, they think they know the answers to natural phenomena. That's what God tells us. God's more than that. He's 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 not just Something to use to argue with people that I don't agree with He's actively energetically Involved in my life and wants to be involved in everyone's life He goes on to say This love that God has is both God's character and his command a Command is a word that calls us to live beyond What we presently understand or feel or want if you have not heard God's call to live beyond what you presently understand or feel or want, then he's probably just not involved in your life. He's probably just a slogan. What is, what is, his, what is his command challenging you with right now? What? what what is he trying to get you to change growth is uncomfortable does anybody know that a growth is uncomfortable uh, it's uncomfortable in in and of ourselves yeah you know, I was I was talking to uh, uh, to a girl who grew up in the church here but it's been years since since she attended here she's in her 30s now and so she's still a young girl But, uh, she's, she's in her thirties now. And she said, after she reached 30, she grew two inches. I mean, taller, but it it turns out, you know, she had some spinal issues and that, that kind of, but, uh, it, it wasn't easy to grow those two inches. Well, you know, I've grown a few inches and, and they weren't, they weren't pleasant either. Uh, they weren't taller, but, you know, they, they also weren't pleasant. I, I, I don't know if you can remember, but a lot of times when people hit that growth spurt, you know, kids or teenagers or something, it's just not, it's, it's uncomfortable. You know, an organization, a church, if it has a big growth spurt, there's uncomfortableness connected with it. Growth is uncomfortable. When's the last time you responded to God's call to grow? In a way that actually made you uncomfortable. Uh, Peterson also says this. He says, everyone has choices to make the choices are not trial and error guesses they are informed by the commands of god they are informed by the word of god uh, this is this is good this is good news because we are traveling in a dense fog with zero disability, uh, disability zero visibility we got plenty of disability but we're traveling in a dense fog with zero visibility as we as we go through life and the news is we don't just have to guess about how to how to traverse this journey we have an instrument panel we can trust if we will if we'll just use it Uh, another comment he makes I knew y'all would enjoy this as much as me we live on the gossip of the moment and the rumors of the hour it is not as if we never hear the truth at all but we don't realize it's Overwhelming significance. What might life be like if we spend as much time in the in the Word as we do with the gossip of the moment and the rumors of the hour? See that, that was that was one of the things I was trying to say on that video. Is all this is transient? Yeah. I want, to, I want to take an hour or two hours a week where people are going to, where we're going to focus on something that's eternal. Paul says, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, because what is seen is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. You, you need to be in God's word and not just listen to some preacher or teacher or prophet or or Whatever. When Micaiah heard the scroll being read, uh, Peterson has a really, uh, a really insightful thing he says about that. He says, he, he had heard Jeremiah's words many times. Now he heard God's word. That's how you know if you've heard God's word. Because something inside of you goes, oh, I got to do something about this. I've got, I got, got to take this to somebody. I've got to change. The words of a person, the gossip of the, of the moment, the rumors of the hour may stir us to action for a while. The word of God will command you to persevere until the day of Christ Jesus. Command you to move on and change until that day. So, what do we, <clears throat> what do we do? Preacher, I'm having so much fun this morning. What, what do we do? Uh, well, it's very simple. We repent. We repent. Uh, Jehoiakim would not. And those who don't repent, the Bible tells us, it says here, if we claim we have not sinned, if we claim we don't need repentance, we make God out to be a liar and his word is not in us. We're calling God a liar and his word doesn't have any place in our lives. Can we all agree that we just need to repent? We do. Yeah Kim did not repent. He burned the scroll, but you know what? God had Jeremiah write another one. He said, write all that down again, and I've got a few things I want to add. It doesn't get better because we ignore the word of God or despise it. It gets worse. As I said, he came to a, a bad end and, and, and his nation was destroyed in just a few years. But here's the good news. If we do repent, and I'm not backing up to, to, to 1 John 1, 1.9, uh, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is good news. But 2 Corinthians 7.10 says this: godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. Worldly sorrow brings death. Godly sorrow leaves no regret. How often do you take an action or do you do something and you get on the other side of it and you can look back and go, no regrets whatsoever. Anytime we respond to godly sorrow, you guys can come on up. It leaves no regret because it brings repentance. Well, I didn't know that was in the Bible. Neither did I until I read it. And you know what? I still didn't know it was after I read it the first time or second. I don't know how many times I read across that verse before it hit me. Whoa, wait a minute. What's that really saying? Today is June the 7th. And uh it is the anniversary of uh, my wife Margaret going home to be with the Lord. A lot of you knew that uh, i 've already gotten some some precious uh, messages this morning and uh, when I got up this morning, pittered around a little bit but then uh, and, and i 'm okay I'm, i am i'm, I'm doing i 'm doing okay when i when I got up this morning, uh, I knew I needed to post something and so um, I posted this picture on Facebook and uh, before I got up to speak, um, over 200 people had responded to it. Now, I'm overwhelmed. I'm humbled. I'm, it's, that's, that's, I'm grateful. I truly appreciate it, but... I wonder how many of those on Facebook had opened the Bible this morning. I I, I hope it was somewhere near a majority and I know some had. I, I fear it was not anywhere close to a majority. I fear that most of us get up and our first thought is the gossip of the moment rather than the eternal word of the living god which can really change our lives